What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three guests just trying to enjoy a quiet night at the Continental Bar. I'm Austin Terry, and I don't care if it's the 70s in a dirty New York City. You have to pick up after your dog when it goes to the bathroom on the sidewalk. And I'm Keith Baker, and owning a dojo just does not seem profitable. On today's show, we are back to the world of John Wick with The Continental. Set in the 1970s New York City, The Continental explores the origin of the iconic hotel for assassins at the centerpiece of the John Wick universe, seen through the eyes of a young Winston Scott. So Keith, let's just get right into it. Were you even aware that this show was still happening? And give me your general non-spoiler thoughts on the premiere of The Continental. No, I was not until I uh, brought it up the other day to do this for an episode. I completely forgot about it. I remember y'all mentioning it five months ago, four or five months ago. I don't know. The marketing has been bizarre and basically just non-existent. Really? Yeah. I I haven't heard anything about it since since you guys mentioned it. Um, but then once you were like, oh, we're doing the content, I was like, oh, shit, that's going to be that's gonna be awesome. I, I love the John Wick universe, so was ready to jump in. I got to say, the first episode, even though it's like an hour and like 20 minutes long, it went by really quick for me. Overall, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's definitely some things I'm questioning about it that we'll get into later. Um, but I thought the action was good. I, I love that we're in this, this decade of the John Wick universe and that we're finding out a little bit more about like the lore behind it. Now we've all uh, have talked about how we just love, yeah, the lore of, that goes into this universe with John Wick and, and how, how the, the League of Assassins works and how all the Continentals work and, and how they uh, interact with like the everyday world. But yeah, I, I, I love the performances, the characters. I'm excited for what they're building. But like I said, I do have some questions about some things and maybe you can help me, an- help me answer later. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you might have the same questions too. But overall, um, really enjoyed the first episode. I'm excited to get into the other into the other two parts as they come out. Yeah, I am certainly lower on it than you are. Okay. Um, I do think it's at least worth checking out. I don't think it's bad or anything like that. Yeah. It's getting shredded online, like in the reviews and the general critical reception. Um, and I think most of the negative that most of the negatives that people are not enjoying about this show, I do certainly agree with. I think it's very disjointed. It does not have that like vibe and feel of John Wick. Like there's certainly sequences where you're like, oh, this is totally the John Wick universe. And then you spend 20 minutes doing stuff that's like would have never been touched on in the movies, like the involvement of everyday people. Mm. Um, Whereas like the John Wick movies kind of feel like this alternate reality. Mm -hmm. This show kind of feels like they're trying to work it into our normal everyday history. And that felt super weird to me. Um, I think they're trying to capture like the essence of Keanu Reeves with like some character designs. And that felt weird to me because it, it kind of feels like they're trying to duplicate some things. Um, the history of the show is very weird. It was originally going to go on stars, which is owned by Lionsgate that distributes the movies. And then Lionsgate actually sold the show to Peacock. So they didn't have a lot of faith in it. Um, Chad Stahelski, the like original creator of John Wick and, and the director of the movies, he dropped out of directing it and Keanu Reeves dropped out of like appearing in the show. So the team behind the actual franchise kind of seems like they wanted to distance themselves from it. And and I kind of felt that like you can tell that the original team is not involved with this show. It it does feel awkward and weird. The positives though, I I am actually interested like in the central mystery of the show. I do think the action does kind of live up to that John Wick pedigree and that John Wick name. Um, The main like core young characters, it's really hard to kind of match the gravitas of the big actors they got for the franchise. But I think these new actors that are portraying these younger characters did a great job. There is just like these side characters that I'm like, 
why are we spending time with these people? Because we would have never done this in the movies. So there's some things that, that are weird to me about this show. I would say it's just okay. It's worth checking out. I'm excited to see where they go with the next two episodes. But the premiere certainly did not grab me or anything like that. Yeah, you kind of added to my point or my question, I guess, is like, what what are they trying to do with this universe and like the background of the Continentals and the, the Assassins and all that? Because like you said, in John Wick or all the John Wick movies, like the, the everyday world's like in the background, but there's not really yeah. a whole lot of interaction. Like, okay, he has his he has his moments where he's like on the subway or he's walking down the street in New York or whatever city he's in, London or whatever. But like you said, there's still not a lot of interaction with the everyday world or everyday people. Uh, and, and it does seem like an alternate dystopian type future. Everybody just kind of knows about the assassins and, 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 and lore behind them. Whereas in this, it's like it's two separate worlds. Well, and it kind of seems like with the show, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Like they're introducing in this time period in the 70s, like this lore, like kind of to everyday people in this world. And it feels new to all these characters. But then at the same time, other characters are saying this has been around since before the Roman Empire. Yeah. So ha- like trying to say, trying to carry on that legacy, but then make it seem new to this world, like this modern world, isn't really working for me. I, I, I kind of wish we had kind of stayed within the organization of assassins and had a different story centered around Winston. Because I, I do have a lot of issues with Winston in this show. Mm-hmm. In the John Wick universe, he's like all into the Continental and the rules and things like this. And then in the show, he kind of feels like an outsider. And that doesn't match for me. It almost feels like Winston was raised in this organization in the movies. And in this show, it feels like he's just now diving into it as a young man. So there's only there's not a whole lot of time before when we see him in the John Wick movies. And he's that character we know and love. Yeah. Yeah. There's one. We'll get into it once we get past our spoiler warning. But yeah, there's one key line in this first episode with Winston that like explains what you were just saying um, about him feeling new into this whole lore and all that um, where I was like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. But like you said, yeah, if it goes back to the Roman empire, I kind of like that. It, they keep that a mystery in the John Wick movies. Whereas this yeah. they're, they're integrating people doing normal jobs. Um, it's not as dark. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to do. And that's kind of where I think you notice it being a different team doing this show because in the movies, they're so good at giving you just enough to make it feel real and grounded, but then still ambiguous where you can like have your own interpretations. But in this show, they're like, you just have characters say, oh, it's been around since the Roman Empire. And Mm -hmm. then they move on. Like they don't do anything to tease you or make it feel like mysterious. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's too much to break down. You got to get past our spoiler warning here because there's a lot. Of, I got a lot of questions. Yeah, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. Um, it sounds like Keith is, you know, pretty positive. I think it's okay. I still think you should check it out. I think we would both say, you know, dust off that Peacock app because no one's using that these days. Go give this first episode a try, and then from here on out in this episode, we are going to be spoiling everything in the premiere. Uh, so definitely go check it out, see for yourself if you like this or not, and then come on back to hear our thoughts. All right, everybody, welcome to Spoiler Territory, and we're going to kick it off, as always, with the cast and crew. So, The Continental was created by Greg Coolidge, Sean Simmons, and Kirk Ward. This first premiere episode was directed by Albert Hughes, who you may know from the Book of Eli. Our score for the shows is composed by Ben Sapansky, who operates under the stage name Rafferty. 
and of course, based on the John Wick franchise, originally created by Derek Kaltstad and further developed by Chad Stahelski. All right, and going to our cast, we have Colin Woodell as a young Winston Scott, Ben Robson as Frankie Scott, Michelle Prada as KD, Nung Kate as Yin, Jeremy Bob as Mayhew, Jessica Alain as Lou, Aomidi Adagon as a young Sharon, and we got Mel Gibson as Cormac O'Connor. All righty, there's our cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do you got, Austin? Yeah, Mel Gibson somehow still working in 2023 after all his controversies. Hell yeah, brother. Um, it's Mel. <laughs> Braveheart, brother. <laughs> that definitely brother. <laughs> got some backlash when Mel Gibson was cast in this show. Um, he is not my highlight. I think he's signed and serviceable, but he just doesn't have a whole lot of screen time so far. I am going to give my main highlight for this episode to Aomidi at a gun as a young Sharon. This was the only character and actor in the show where I was like, oh yeah, that's totally Sharon. He's kind of capturing that like, Lance Riddick presence that we see in the movies and love so much. I thought he nailed it, and I'm really excited to see his relationship develop with Winston to the to what we see in the movies. Everybody else, like I said, they're they're good. They're doing what they can, but Colin Woodell, it's really hard to to be Ian McShane. Like that's a one of a kind actor right there. So really tough to do that. Um, still interested, but the only guy like actually capturing what I felt like we see in the movies was Ayamid at a gun. Yeah, he's awesome. With like limited screen time, limited lines, but yeah, like you said, his presence is definitely there. Like he could be Lance Reddick's son. Like they look, they For look sure. really alike. He's got the same like speaking dictation. Like he pauses. He already knows like the rules. Like he's explaining it to Mel Gibson's characters. Um, still formal, charming. Like everything about it, I love. Yeah, yeah. He even has like the same like smile, like the same like mouth gestures and everything too. Um I was like, wow, he's he's really nailing it as a young Sharon. So yeah, he's awesome. Um I'm kinda with you. Mel Gibson, I don't think he's bad at all. I'm really interested in his I'm really interested in the character of Cormac and there's a lot of questions around him. Um I just don't yeah, we haven't seen enough yet. I think it's fine. I think my only issue is my only issue is I don't think you needed Mel Gibson for this part. I think there's so many other up and coming actors or even older actors that have not done all the stuff Mel Gibson has done and probably like deserved a part. Like Mel Gibson didn't bring anything special to this role where I was like, oh yeah, only Mel Gibson could have done that. Yeah, yeah. He's like just playing like more of this gruff mob type guy. Not sure. And that, I think that's going to go into our questions with him later. It's like he doesn't really fit this world really. And that that's actually something I found interesting in the intro is seeing the Continental under new leadership. Like Cormac is more of a, a New York mobster and he's throwing like a, a New Year's party and things like that, that we probably would not see Winston do in the movies. So seeing the Continental operate it differently actually was like, OK, I'm kind of into this. It just kind of devolves from that as you get less screen time from him as the episode's on. Yeah, it definitely seems more lax at the Continental, whereas whenever we see uh, an older Winston in the John Wick universe with Ian McShane, it seems like everything's kind of more by the book with the lore um, and the rules and everything. Um, so it's like, mm, I wonder, like, was it maybe more strict before Cormac's reign at the Continental? And maybe he's just kind of like a shithead about it. And we do still have two episodes. They're each an hour and a half. So we still have, you know, three more hours of content to see. But yeah. I, I am hoping we kind of get to see as Winston gets gets more involved, like, I want to see how he transforms the Continental into what we see in the John Wick movies. Yeah, I mean, as far as my highlight, I don't know if I really have a highlight. I feel like everybody is pretty good performance-wise in this. Um, even some of the side characters are not bad. But yeah, I think the the lead, Colin Woodell's doing fine as young as a young Winston. 
and uh, Ben Robson as Frankie, the brother, is uh, good as well. So yeah, I enjoyed uh, the Frankie character. Like, he's he definitely is the centerpiece of the action in this yes. episode. Um, the only thing that just seemed off to me is, did you have to make him look like Keanu Reeves? <laughs> like, give him a buzz cut or something. I mean, the only difference is like he had his like a bigger beard, I guess. Even when he's like kissing Yen at the end and like brushing his hair out of his eyes, I was like, why did you make him look so much like Keanu Reeves? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But yeah, the action sequence, I mean, especially the opening one, I know we're going to get into it more later, but the uh, opening one with him on the stairs was awesome way to open up the show. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we can jump into our broader discussion and we can start right there with the opening. Um, yeah, let's do it. That opening like staircase fight, I was like, okay, I see where you're spending your money. This looks great. Uh, it feels just like an action scene you would get in the John Wick franchise. So I thought that was a great way to kind of get you into the show. Yeah, it was. So the opening, I think overall, you just feel like you're in the John Wick universe. With that opening sequence on the stairs, that's something that you would see in John Wick, him having to climb several floors. And then also him walking through the party, too. We've seen so many party scenes throughout the John Wick, like so many raves, yeah. parties. And then you get like the interaction with Cormac and the other guys. And everybody, everybody knows his name. Everybody knows each other. That felt really cool, really organic. But then when they start referencing like the Vietnam War and like things like that, it's like this feels so off. They would have never touched on like historical events in the movies. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that goes into our the big question we were talking about earlier is how does the everyday world fit into this this lore in this in this world? And that's also never a question I really wanted. And like I've never gone through the John Wick movies and be like, wow, I really want to see what John Wick looks like in the Vietnam War. Like I've always just gone into these movies and been like, I can't wait to learn more about this continental and high table lore. I've never really cared about like the actual real world. Yeah, exactly. Like that's always the mystery in the John Wicks that we like and we don't care about either. Like we just we're good not knowing. You know, whenever he does have that debacle in his house, and remember the cops show up and even the cop is like cool with him, like, hey John, he's like, Hey, Kevin or whatever the guy cop's name was. It's like, okay, well that that goes to show us that a lot of the everyday people are even in on this too. But then you get to this show and it's too, it's just like completely separate. Like we have the scene where, I might be jumping ahead, where KD goes in to the Continental whenever she was told not to because the other guy was like, uh, do not go in there. Like that's a, that's a bad organization in there. You do not want to get involved with those people. She's like, I got to know. She goes in, she sits at the bar and everybody's looking at her because she's an outsider. So it's like, oh, okay. So there are two. These are two different worlds then. That was where I thought we kind of wasted a lot of time in this episode. Because even if this detective, by the end of the show, cracks the case and figures out the high table and all that, what is that really going to mean for us? Because we already know how much power they have in the movies. So nothing's really going to come of this investigation. I guess I'm excited to see what happens when she meets with Winston, but I don't really need this detective story at all. So the one line I was telling you earlier that Winston had was he was explaining their childhood that they got involved with this guy named Cormac, who was a New York mom boss, and they were working for him. And then he says something, well, that's what we thought he was, but turns out he's involved with this whole other secret organization with this Continental and assassins and all this lore and coins and rules and all this kind of stuff. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. So that's how Winston gets into this world, I guess, is like, he just thought this guy was like a normal 
normal uh, hitman type guy running businesses, but no, he's in this whole different deal. <laughs> that was strange to me too. Uh, mainly, kind of like we touched on in the beginning, is just Winston feels so integral to this universe in the movies that it's hard for me to believe he was originally an outsider and had and didn't even learn about this stuff until he was in his late 20s, early 30s. Like that timeline doesn't really match up for me with how permeated he is into this world, into the movies. Yeah. And the original pitch of this show was a young Winston already involved with the high table taking over the Continental for his own. It seems like whenever the show went through all its changes, that story kind of got tweaked because they had a different writer. Like I said at the beginning, they had Ch- Chad Sahelski involved. So it seems like the original premise we were supposed to get for the show was an origin story more integrated into the John McMovies than what we're seeing today. We are kind of focusing on the hypothetical. Let's let's get back now to what the show actually gave us in this first episode. Um, the main like MacGuffin, I guess, is the stolen coin press that, of course, mints all the coins that we see in the John Wick movies. Did you like this kind of initial heist and then how like I really bought how important this is to the high table and why they would go after it? Because those coins are so rare and so important. If the coin press is out there and anyone can make them and kind of deflate the market, that's a big threat to the high table's power. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I wasn't really catching what that was when I was first watching it. I had to go like look back and like, what was that thing he stole? <laughs> um, so the coin press. Yeah, so that's pretty much the currency of everything within the Continentals and the Assassins and everything like that. So that makes sense that Cormac would be uh, pretty upset <laughs> to have this stolen because it's probably a lot of control lost on well, his Well, it part. seems like the high table is going to kill him if he doesn't get this coin press back too. So, you know, we touched on KD and the police officers a little bit. Uh, Let's actually touch on what they're actually doing in this first episode. So KD is investigating the Continental. Her partner tells her not to. It looks like she keeps saying she's trying to find the supplier. I do have a question, like what supplying what? Is she interested in the coins or are they gun running? Like things like that. Like what is she actually investigating? I know we touched on that. This felt weird and out of place focusing on non-high table members. Are you like even remotely interested in to see where this is going or or are you kind of like me and did you feel like this was wasted time? Yeah, it might be. Uh, it's definitely the lower of the side stories in this series so far for me. I hope it's not like a, a running thing throughout the whole three episodes where Katie's trying to figure out what the Continental is and all that. I hope like maybe her superior will just tell her. I mean... Because they have a relationship beyond work, <laughs> so maybe they'll, maybe uh, maybe he'll tell her what's like what it is, and and then maybe she'll help, she'll drop her investigation. I have a feeling at some point through the course of her investigation, she's going to get connected with Winston, and maybe she'll become important when Winston does actually take over the Continental. I think the way this could be interested is just watching a true outsider learn about the death of this power and organization. The only problem with that is they've also made Winston an outsider in this show so he's also going to be learning that so what is KD going to learn that we're not also watching Winston learn um I could see the way like it gets played for her maybe is Winston makes her a deal that you know it, it seems like she actually is bothered by the dirtiness and the corruptness of New York City and the state maybe Winston convinces her that by working with him taking over the high table they can actually clean up New York and make it like what we see in the movies that's like the only way i could see her character actually being relevant yeah maybe that's one purpose of this show is to show that 
show how people become members yeah. of the hide table. I'd be interested in that, like learning how someone becomes an assassin. Going back to the movies, you see like all these guys that John knows, like that are just like normal kind of people. Like the one guy that he sees like in the hallway of the hotel in the first movie. I don't remember the guy's name. Let's just say it's Bill. And he's like, hey, Bill. And he's like, hey, John. And it's like, how did Bill <laughs> become a member? Like this guy just seems like the most like he looks like he just seems like an accountant or something like that. Like the most normal guy ever. So I do, I do kind of like that aspect of it. Maybe we're going to see how these people become normal, everyday people become members. You know, and we do see like the call centers and things like that in the movies. Those people aren't assassins, but they're still involved in the function. Yeah. So there are other roles in this universe. So it could be cool to see that too. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on, um, and we haven't really touched on it too much, but like Winston and Frankie's relationship. Frankie's very much involved at the in the high table in the Continental, and Winston is out of the game, um, and he gets pulled back in. But yeah, what was your what was your thoughts on that? I was excited that they actually met up in this first episode. I was worried, like all three episodes, were going to be Winston trying to find his brother. So I was excited that they met up because I was like, yeah. okay, Winston is now connected with an insider in the high table who can teach him about this universe. But then he gets shot in the head at the end of this episode. So who's actually going to teach Winston? That's what I want to know. I mean, do you think maybe we'll get, I'm trying to think, is there any like older characters in the movies that we might see younger versions of besides Sharon? I feel Sharon? like Sharon is going to have to be the one that connects with Winston and teaches him everything because he's the one that knows the rules. Maybe he disagrees with the way Cormac is running things. Maybe Cormac breaks a rule and Sharon can't let that slide. Who knows? But it's the only like logical character I can think of to, actual, to actually teach Winston about this world. Yeah, Sharon, Sharon definitely seems like the, the low-key glue to everything. <laughs> He's such a cool character. Like we touched on earlier, Mel Gibson as Cormac, he just seems like a sloppy boss. Like, he just doesn't seem like he has everything, he doesn't have all of his shit together, whereas Winston, an older Winston, Ian McShane, just seems like everything's locked down. He's like not getting robbed. Like that coin press isn't getting stolen from Ian McShane's no. character. Yeah, we even get that scene. We even get the scene with Ian McShane and 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 an older Sharon in the movies where they're going. They go into the gun room, and they're like they're ready to yeah. like throw down. So and that that does kind of lead me to another thing is, I just don't know if I'm gonna buy that this Winston that we saw in episode one, his arc is gonna get to a point where he's fully bought in and running this organization. Like he almost seems appalled by everything he's seeing. So how is how is he gonna flip to <laughs> yeah. kind of cold hearted Winston? businessman Winston always making deals like they gave him a business background but yeah I don't know I just don't know if I'm gonna buy that this character is the character we see in the movies I know I was trying to like I was trying to not be nitpicky while I was watching it but I kind of was <laughs> without because yeah, I just couldn't help it because yeah Ian McShane just has such a different presence about him like even his yeah. voice is different you know and it's a tough ask for any young actor to Say, hey, go emulate Ian McShane. Like, it's, yeah. it's impossible. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. And not that I would, should expect that, but I was like, okay, how's this guy going to become Ian McShane's Winston? Like, we got we to gotta, we gotta see some, some turn here at some point. Um, and like you said, maybe, maybe episode two or three, um, we're going to see that turn where he just kind of has like a more of a darker presence about him. But, you know, we can, we can go into this. I mean... Frankie dies. So maybe that's going to be the turn that he needs. Like Frankie's dead now. His big brother's gone. And his big brother was, is dead because of this whole organization. So maybe he's going to be like, oh, I'm going to go after these people. And, and then at some point, maybe he's going to be like, oh, 
Well, I'm not just going to go after them. I'm just going to, I'm going to become them too yeah, after I take them out. I think that's going to be tough because <laughs> so. if he's going into it from a place of revenge, how would he then become this like Baden Winston that we know who like actually seems to enjoy being the owner of the Continental and a member of the high table? Yeah. And because he just seems in the movies, he just seems like so knowledgeable about everything as far as the lore goes and the high table and all of that. I mean, I guess this is the 70s. And so he's going to have like 30, 40 years to like learn everything. So I guess that makes sense in a way. But I don't know. Are we going to buy it, Austin? I don't know. <laughs> if you ask me today, no, I don't think I'm going to buy it. But I will say all, all the questions we keep asking, like th- that's going to be the reason I tune in for the next two episodes. I'm not just yeah. not going to watch it. So I, I am at least excited to see more. Yeah. This first episode did a good job of raising a lot of questions. That's for damn sure. I just don't uh, have any faith they're going to stick the landing, but I will watch it and I will be happy if it yeah. proves me wrong. Any um, predictions for episodes two and three? I, I know obviously we're expecting this show to end with Winston in charge because that's the premise that was given to us, but anything you think that we'll see along the way? So we definitely get some foreshadowing into the fact that Winston is not the best fighter and I think we're going to get some training. I think Yen's going to train Winston they're going to go back to the dojo. They're going to team up with those guys. And he's going to train to fight a little bit. That way he can defend himself whenever Cormac sends every, every goon he's got at them. Definitely going to... I can definitely picture that um, in episode but in the, two, maybe. in the movies, Winston sits out all the action. He lets other people fight for him. So I think he's actually going to enlist Sharon, who we know knows how to fight in the movies. I think he's going to yeah. enlist Sharon and Yen to do the fighting for him. Okay. That's a good take, too. Yeah. Yeah. He, cause he just doesn't seem like a fighter at all. <laughs> so yeah. it just seems like the guy that kind of just kicks back and like gives the orders out. So maybe that will be what he does in this too. Um, as far as like, uh, other predictions. Yes. Yeah, so we, we end off with this first episode with Frankie dying. And so we'll see him processing that and see what he, what he wants to do. I, I can see him interacting with a lot of other high table p- type people. Or other, or other members at least, and like maybe, maybe members that are willing to maybe work with him in a way. Maybe they see some cracks in Cormac's leadership and yeah. stuff too, and so they're all going to team up together and go after him. I have a feeling because they showed us his business background, and we know in the movies that Winston is always angling to make a deal. Um, I think he's going to leverage the fact that he has the coin press and make a deal with the high table, and that's how he gets into the organization. Hmm. Yeah. I think you might be right on the money there. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> and we know Sharon is, is a big stickler for the rules and believes in them. So <laughs> yeah, I, I have a feeling Sharon's not going to like what he's seeing from Cormac. And that's how he ends up with Winston. Yes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right though. I think Sharon and Winston are going to buddy up and, and take things down. How they're going to do it? I don't know. Exactly. We have we these episodes are so long too, like an hour and a half long. Yeah. Um. So we have like you said, three hours of content coming. Three more hours. Hopefully, it's good. Um. I think that's gonna wrap it up for us today, though. Those are our thoughts on the Continental. Uh, Keith and I will still be tuning in. You know, we were. I was a little underwhelmed. Seemed like Keith was a little bit more impressed with this initial premiere. I'm excited to see more of it. I am nervous, though. I am nervous. I wish we'd gotten the original premise. But, of course, before we close out, we do need to do some Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of our show where we give an award to anything we've covered in this episode. Can be positive, can be negative. Keith, what will you be giving an award to today? 
I'm just going to give the Automobile Callback Award, and that goes to the car that they bring into this. This was so forced. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. You didn't like it? (laughs) John Wick likes the cars, not Winston. Yeah. I love the car itself, but yeah, yeah, I guess you could say it is forced. And Um, I really hated the line at the end when he was like, I need guns. Lots of guns. I'm Winston. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think that was that was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell these people wish they were doing a like a John Wick origin show and not a Winston origin show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna give the most unexpected stabbing award. And it goes to our friend Yen, who picks up an iron, and you're thinking, okay, she's gonna bash this guy's head in, and instead she turns that iron around and stabs the point of it into the back of the guy's neck. I was like, holy shit, that was pretty sweet. Oh my god. That was probably one of the gnarliest kills of the series so far. And his hand was in the uh, garbage, the garbage disposal. disposal. Yeah. Oh, God. And all while that lady was sleeping on the couch, not hearing the fight. And her baby yeah. was in there, too. Deepest sleeper ever. <laughs> I did also like, like, with the coin box, whenever Frankie was fighting, he was, like, bashing people with it and stuff. Like, that was really cool. Yeah. They used whatever they got as a weapon. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. Also, if you want to mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that so we can continue to grow this show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday with the return of our bracket debates. This time, it's time to decide what is the best action movie ever made. And spoiler, we may be talking about a John Wick movie in that debate. And lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What did you think of the Continental's premiere? What do you hope for the rest of the season? Would you let your dog shit on the sidewalk? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. You got to carry a bag with you. You got to pick up that dog poop. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. See ya.